I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Crystal Setup Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shavov. As always, welcome by myself. Yes, it's a bit of a different edition of the pod this week. Uh, due to scheduling stuff, Angel could not make it. So this pod's going to be a little bit different. Um, it's going to be a shorter one. Um, I've already working on some additional content to come out on the channel. In fact, you guys should have already seen it where I have a video, unless it got already copyrighted to take it down. Uh, talking about Bellator and the PFL's merger and their time together. And we'll talk about that more later on the show. As always, we're brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going throughout my day. No matter what, whether I'm at the gym, at home, or just at work, they get me to the finish line with code SOUNDOFF at checkout. And they can help you get there as well with code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off. Meanwhile, Elixir, going to get you really high with their eight Delta 9 HHC products. And uh, once again, code sound off for them for 10% off. And you guys can have a fun little time. It's Thanksgiving week. And uh, admittedly, we were thinking about taking this week off anyway. Uh, but I do want to go ahead and talk about some news, including the UC, Bellator, PFL, and all of that. Um, obviously... UC Vegas 82 going down last Saturday night from the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Obviously, in the main event, middleweights, ranked middleweights, Brendan Allen ends up picking up a dominant uh, submission win, excuse me, over Paul Craig. Look, this one took place mostly on the mat. I think most people would have assumed if that was the case, it would have probably been lopsided uh, in the direction of Paul Craig. And look, I mean, the... The Bear Jew, you know, he went ahead and the Scotland's finest. He threw up some submissions from the from the bottom. He had some moments, um, but for the most part, it was just Brendan Allen on top, giving him no reason, no excuse me, no room to breathe, and no ability to try and get up either, and just mauling him, man. Paul Craig, a guy on the mat off of his back that's very talented, but he couldn't get anything going in this one. In the end, Brendan Allen ends up getting a submission win in the third round, getting a rear naked choke after just beating the dog shit out of Paul Craig for, for a couple of rounds previous. Um, look, man, uh, this was a dominant win for him, and now I mean moved past you know future title challenger Hamza Chimaev in the rankings with his win. Uh, this is also his sixth win in a row. Obviously, Bruno Silva, Andre Muniz, Christoph Jaco, Sam Alvey, some of the guys that he's beaten previously, and you know we talked about it on the show last week. That when it comes to guys like Brendan Allen, they're not really getting all the attention right now. And it makes sense. He's a young guy still in his 20s. You know, he's not a big talker. I think his fighting style is really fun, but maybe not the case for everybody. Um, he's just slowly working. And he's slowly building himself up. And he's getting himself to a point to where now he has to get a big name next. I don't know who he will get next. Uh, you know, he called out Hamzad. He called out a bunch of guys. And he's a guy who's been very vocal now. I think now getting that sixth win, moving up the rankings, he's starting to see like, hey, you know what? I've beaten a lot of guys. And some of these guys around me haven't really done a whole lot. Why am I not higher up in the rankings? And uh, at media day on, on Wednesday, he went ahead and let the reporters hear it. Granted, I don't think there was a single one of them there that actually uh, did the meet, do the uh, rankings. Because, you know, we talked about it before, but the, the guys who do the rankings, I don't know who the fuck they are, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they do exist, apparently. Um, look, man, uh, yeah, this was just a dominant win for Brendan Allen. For Paul Craig, man, in that, it ultimately, Paul Craig is still a guy that we still weren't really sure going into this one what his middleweight uh, self looks like. Now, obviously, he beat a lower-ranked guy, but at the same time, we kind of thought, okay, we still got to see more from him before we can go ahead and say a whole lot, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely saw more of him, didn't see a whole lot great, and uh, I'm, ex I'm interested to see where Paul Craig is going to move uh compete at moving forward you know he did not look like the bigger guy in there against brendan allen which was definitely interesting to see uh considering he was the guy moving down in weight obviously only his second fight down at 185 pounds nonetheless excited to see what happens for brendan allen moving forward man um six wins in a row like i said i said on twitter they gotta give him a big name i mean it would just be it's 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 a crime that he's had to you know keep on working and keep on fighting these lower or even unranked guys to point 
to where now, you know, number six, six wins in a row, finally getting a ranked guy, now getting a main event. Let's keep the momentum rolling, man. We'll see, we'll see what happens next for him. Um, co-main event. This one was a, you know, a standard affair. You know, uh, Michael Morales picking up a unanimous decision win for Jake Matthews. 30-27, 29-28, 29-28 being the scorecards. Look, man, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, this, is a, this is a co-main event that, like I said, going into this card that I don't want to say I wasn't very excited for. Um, but, you know, for Michael Morales, I this is a showcase fight for him. Um, and he didn't exactly showcase a whole lot. I mean, he looked fine, I guess, and so did Jake Matthews. J- obviously, Michael Morales is the guy able. He was able to get off quicker. He was able to land the more impactful shots. Was able to be more efficient in there, and ends up picking the decision win. Um, not a whole lot to say about this one. Ultimately, I mean, he was the cleaner guy, and he kind of did what we expected him to do whenever we preview the fight uh, on the pod last week. And still, a young guy. Still moving up. We can see what we'll see what he does moving forward. But to pick up a win over a guy like Jake Matthews, that that's not for nothing. I mean, I said this is kind of a showcase, and he didn't really live up to it. He didn't really live up to it in point in points of getting a dominant, impactful victory that we're going to be discussing for a while. He did go ahead and show up in terms of showcasing his skills and being able to outstrike and outwork a guy like Jake Matthews. He's been in the USC for like a decade now. I mean, that's not worth nothing. So. Uh, Michael Morales, a big win for him. But admittedly, I really want to discuss these prelims more than anything else. Specifically, I want to talk about Chase Hooper and Jordan Levitt. This is the fight that it's going to sound a little bit, uh, you know, nerdy, I guess. But uh, this is one of my most uh, excited fights on this card. Um, Chase Hooper, uh, the dream, you know, who has slowly just been improving. I mean, I know that whenever he got signed to the UFC, people were talking shit on him, and I get it, but he's now 24 years old, he's no longer a teenager, and he's been slowly improving, and slowly just getting better each and each week, um, not week, excuse me, each and each time he goes out there, right, um, most of which are in the apex, he's, he's one of these apex highlights, right, I mean, he's not fought outside of the apex, uh, in over two years, June of 2021, was his last time that he fought outside the apex, so Chase Hooper, they're giving him these sort of interesting stylistic matchups to where he, he's not going to get too fucked up even if he loses. And a guy like Jordan Levitt has gotten some knockout victories, but let's be honest, this fight was going to take place on the mat. On the mat, I thought it was going to be competitive. Instead, it was just one-way traffic. The dream. Chase Hooper, the former, the t- the former teenage sensation, getting a first-round submission win over Jordan Levitt. Jordan Levitt, who said, you know, there was a question if he was, if he was even going to fight during the week because his wife was set to give birth. In the end, he ends up making the walk, uh, but was not out in that cage for long. Ends up being 2 minutes 58 seconds for him to go ahead and get the win. Um, yeah, I mean, taking. I mean, it was it was a big win for Chase Hooper. It's not exactly the one that's going to, you know, f- fly him up the rings or anything like that. But at the same time, three wins in his last four. The one loss being to a guy in Steve Garcia who hits very hard, is a veteran of the game, and has had some very big performances in his own right as of late. You gotta love what you've seen out of Chase Hooper, man. I mean, I know there were a lot of questions for a long time for a lo- from a lot of different people in terms of his development became- because he came to the UFC so young. And that makes a lot of sense, but very, very happy to see him improving. And for a guy like Jordan Levitt, he'll be back. Um, you know, we we've you know we love Jordan Levitt here. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, he's he's one of the more entertaining personalities in the UFC, the monkey king. You know, even if you don't like him, even if you don't like all of his antics, all the stuff he's done... He's still very entertaining, and uh, suck to see him get, you know, dominated like that. But it is what it is. Um, in terms of the main card, in terms of other fights, I want to talk about, dude, Amanda Hebos. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Amanda Hebos taking on Luana Piero uh, on the main card. Um, you know, it was competitive early, but that third round, Amanda Hebos, for lack of a better term, beat the dog shit. Out of Luana Pinero, man. Uh, ends up landing a spinning wheel kick. <laughs> Just boom, right on the money. Couldn't be cleaner. Uh, ends up getting the TKO win. And Amanda Hebos has just... She's had multiple fights now where it's like... She's just on the verge of breaking out. I mean, you had that Marina Rodriguez fight. Uh, UFC 257, January 2021. If she would have won that one, that would have been huge. You ended up suffering a knockout loss. It is what it is. 
to beat Verna Janjaro, but she'd face Caitlin Chukagian the following year. If she would have won that fight at flyweight, she would have gotten a title shot. Without a doubt, Chukagian ranked number one at the time, had won multiple fights in a row, but couldn't get a title shot because she'd already been annihilated by the bullet. Again, Mandy Hebos comes up short. It is what it is. She alternates a win. She beats Vivian Argero. And then she takes on Macy Barber in June in one of my fights of the year. Just spoiling it for the Sound Off Awards for next month. Um, just an absolute bloodbath. But again, she comes up short facing somebody in, in a matchup that is maybe not stylistically to her advantage, but stylistically going to be very fun and get a lot of eyeballs on her. This is another time where she needed a big performance. And for the first time, dude, she stepped up. I mean, Luana Pinero is not... I mean, she's not a world beater. I mean, let's go ahead and call for what it is. I mean, she's 11-1, and one, but some of those wins have been a split decision over Michelle Waterson, who's been battered, you know, a win over Sam Hughes, a DK, DQ win over Randa Marcos. She's not exactly done anything too stellar in terms of her actual competition and wins inside the UC octagon. But for Amanda Hebos to go out there and just dominate her in that way, especially in that third round, dude, I mean, that was a bludgeoning out there. Uh, so, yeah, man, that was... That was hard to watch, man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, in terms of other fights I want to talk about, man, um, Joe Anderson Brito taking on Jonathan Pierce. You know, the hello Japan for a new generation. I believe it was Shinya Aoki a decade ago fighting in Japan. His opponent, remo- you know, guys fighting off, you know, they're, they're, hand- they're hand fighting. You know, he- Shinya has the back. And the guy puts up, takes one arm, goes, hello Japan, and gets choked out. Dude, Jonathan Pierce, bro, what are you, J- J- JSP, you know, came in here riding a, you know, a five-fight winning streak, we've kind of talked about him in the past as a guy who's kind of improved and done a lot better than a lot of people expected him to do, you know, moving on from his UFC debut loss to Joe Lobazon, uh, dude, he got mauled uh, in that second round, talking to Joe Anderson Brito, like, hey, get up, why don't you do something, why don't you do something, Joe Anderson Brito is Took that shit seriously. Stands up, uh, ends up getting Pierce in a ninja choke up alongside the fence. Gets the second round submission win. I mean, look, dude, these guys are going to be challenging for a title either, you know, anytime soon. But, damn, what a, what a moment, man. I mean, the UC Apex, uh, I, I've been very upfront about the fact that I really hate the UC Apex, especially as of late. Uh, I don't understand why it's 2023 and we're pretending like uh covid's still a thing i mean dana you know that's that's what i don't understand you know like dana dana white and the uc they're they're i mean that's for lack of a better term they're they're a conservative sport they're they're the trump sport right and they talk about how much they hated covid and oh you know oh i can't believe you know everybody was locked down and yada 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 and it's like dana bro we're still doing fights at the apex like like what are we doing here man um and this card uh was it was all right man um but I will say, if there's a benefit of the Apex, it's that rare moment that we got on Saturday of hearing Jonathan Pierce talk shit to Joe Anderson Brito, telling him do something, and then immediately getting choked out. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's you know, say what, say what you want about the Apex, man. It does provide some gold moments from time to time. But yeah, man, I mean, to wrap up this UC Vegas 82 card uh, from the weekend, I mean, there were a couple of other good performances. Christian Leroy Duncan, the notorious CLD, picking up a second-round knockout win. He's still a guy I'm intrigued in. I'm, I'm intrigued by. I mean, look, I don't think he's going to win a title. He may not even become ranked. And he did, I believe he did suffer a uh, his first uh, career loss last time out uh, to Armand Petrosian before this fight. But I still think he has a lot of potential. On the feet, very entertaining guy. A very fun guy to watch. And at the very least, I mean, that's a lot of fun, man. Um, you know, there were some other good performances. I do want to talk about the drama, man. Uh, Eileen Perez, dude. Eileen Perez picking up a win over Lucy, uh, Lucy Padalova on Saturday night. Um, ultimately, she did her, her standard, you know, get the win. Hop over to the cage, do the twerk, you know. I mean, <laughs> like, it is, you know, she's she's got it figured out by now. Um... But the the, drama, the fight week drama of apparently her at the UC Apex allegedly getting into a fight with Jocelyn Edwards and then her coach allegedly choking out Jocelyn Edwards, a male coach, by the way, um, just pure craziness. And I, and I do wonder at a certain point, like, does the UC want this to happen? I mean, it, like, after a certain point, if, if somebody who's, like, followed MMA for so long, you know, 
we get this fight week drama every once in a while of like people at the apex or people at the ho the fighter hotels getting into fights and shit and it's just like why wouldn't they just you know keep them outside you know like why don't they just book different rooms or jocelyn edwards and apparently eileen perez had this beef going into fight week so why would you not separate them or have people around to not have that being a thing i mean the, this is not the first time the uc apex slash pi has had this issue i mean we had mike jackson and jake shields get into it that one time earlier this year which you know jake shields is being you know facing charges now um we had the paulo costa hamza chamayev incident i believe last year um, yeah, I mean, look, the UCPI, the UC Apex, they have the money to afford security. So it's just interesting that, uh, this shit just happens every once in a while. But yeah, I mean, in, in regards to the rest of this UC Vegas, uh, 82 card, man, I mean, overall, it was a fun night of fights. I mean, it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, and obviously there is no UC this week. I mean, they're taking a week off. They're coming back in Austin, uh, recently, actually, by the way, Bob, uh, Excuse me, uh, Dan Hooker pulling out of his fight with Bobby Green for that night. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting, and hopefully they find a replacement. As of recording, they have not. Um, but I think we should go ahead and move on because there, there, there's a bit of a double whammy uh, in, terms of, in terms of news and coverage, man. So, as, as we talked about, Bellator 301 did go down last Saturday night from the Trust Arena in Chicago, Illinois. In the main event, Jason Jackson picking up an upset knockout win over Yaroslav Amosov, the ass-kicking machine, a guy that we've talked about on this show, you know, consistently for, for a while now, never really getting the respect that he deserves from a lot of the MMA media, a lot of the MMA fans out there. I mean, just consistently winning. His boxing is excellent. He's just very well-rounded. And he's beaten a lot of guys in a way and a fashion that didn't really get a lot of praise. You know what I mean? Decision wins. Paul Daly, Douglas, you know, Benson Anderson. You, know, you can argue they were older, too. There's a lot that's going into that. And taking on Yaroslav Amoslav, you know, undefeated, champion out of Ukraine. I mean, there's there's a lot going into his story. He ends up catching him in that third round. And, you know, prior to that, though, he, he was competitive, and he had some moments, man. I mean, just an absolutely impressive win by the ass-kicking machine. In the co-main event, Patchy Mix picking up a submission submission win, excuse me, over Sergio Pettis in the second round to win the Bellator World Title at Bantamweight. And look, dude, I mean, Patchy Mix, for my money, is the greatest Bantamweight on the planet today. Um, looking at his resume, his ability to compete on the mat. Now, granted, he suffered a loss to Warner Chalet a couple of years ago. I think if they ran that fight back, I think he probably gets a win. Um, he's improved leaps and bounds over the last two to three years. And it makes sense, man. He just turned 30. He's getting into his prime in his last two performances. I mean, specifically that Bellator Grand Prix. Now, prior to that, he'd run through James Gallagher. But since then, Koji Horiguchi just dominated him. A former champion and I believe the rising um, flyweight champion as of right now, you know. Um, dominated Magomed Magomedov. Submission went over him. Knocked out Rufian Stotts and now submitting Sergio Pettis. I mean, this guy has just... He's so well-rounded. He's explosive on the feet and on the mat. There's not much better. Um, like I said, for my money, Patchy Mix is arguably the greatest bantamweight on the planet walking today. But, I mean, in terms of the rest of the card, too. I mean, Rufian Stotts picking up a win over Danny Sabatello. You know, uh, second win over Danny Sabatello. We'll see if they if they run that one, if they have a trilogy some point down the line. Um, AJ McKee picking up a win over Sydney Outlaw, one of their homegrown stars, the Mercenary, uh, picking up a win, getting back on the right track. Alexander Shabley picking up a win over uh, Patricky Pitbull. Um, in terms of the stuff on the, the undercard, Sumiko Inabata suffering a loss. That, you know, I've, I've hyped her up for a little bit. It's, it's a bit on me. Um, but, you know, suffering a loss at Denise Keelholtz. But that was still a competitive fight, man. Um, you know, Bellator 301 was a card that was very fun. And honestly, you know, fun. this is a fun fact. Bellator 301 was technically Bellator 300 uh, because they had canceled one of their tournament cards way back in the day. So technically, Bellator 301 was Bellator 300. And it was a phenomenal card. And it looked like, for a couple of days, it was going to be the last Bellator card, period. Um, obviously, we've known for the majority of this year that there were talks going on with Bellator in the PFL. Um, that goes without saying. I'm sure we talked about it a lot on this exact podcast. Um, 
mainly because Showtime and Viacom were looking to get out of the combat sports business. Al Heyman and Premier Boxing Champions, they're probably going to end up landing on Amazon from what I'm hearing. But Bellator, it was very much unanswered. There was very much a lot of open questions. Where are they going to go? Well, we don't really know where they're going to go in terms of a provider. We know now who owns them. Um, Bellator was sold for around $100 million from Viacom to the PFL. And the PFL now owns them. Viacom retained a minority share in the promotion, from my understanding. I don't know how much, not enough to influence uh, a whole lot. Uh, But yeah, PFL basically getting a steal. In terms of moving forward, Scott Coker, guys like that, are they going to remain with the company? Uh, It's up in the air. I mean, uh, according to what Don Davis said on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, it's looking like... It's we don't really know, but they did. He did offer them, you know, the the chance to come over to the PFL if they want to choose to remain in their roles. In terms of what's going to happen, Bellator and the PFL, their PFL now owns Bellator, but they're not merging, at least not yet. Um, in terms of moving forward, PFL they're doing they're doing some interesting things. I'm still not sure how I feel about it, but they have the PFL. Okay, this is very confusing to, to some people, right? They have PFL, they have Bellator. Two separate leagues. They have the PFL Europe series and they have the PFL Challenger series. They also have PFL pay-per-views, the pay-per-view series, right? So that sounds like it's a lot to kind of take in. It's pretty simple for, for me, honestly, because they're just they're overdoing the quote-unquote leagues, right? Uh, Bellator and PFL are essentially going to be normal. The, P, the pay-per-view super fight league or whatever it's called isn't a real league as much as, as, much as it's just fighters who don't want to fight in Bellator but want to fight for PFL and want to fight on pay-per-view. So that's going to be your Nganus, your Jake Pauls, your Kayla Harrisons, your bigger stars, right? Europe, PFL Europe is just going to be guys like Cedric Duwambe. They're going to hold Europe-centric events out there. They're going to fight in France. They're going to fight all across Europe. That's It's pretty simple, right? The Challenger Series is literally just Dana White Contender Series. So there you go. Not really a series, not really a league. It's really just PFL and Bellator. I know that Don Davis in a lot of their uh, promotional material has done a terrible job explaining that. Yeah, essentially it's just PFL and Bellator. Back to normal, right? Um, except PFL now owns Bellator. So essentially they could fold it into PFL. But from what they've said, their plan is to run the two brands separately. Bellator is going to be primarily overseas because they do have a lot of pull in places like Ireland in terms of France. They, I know they've gone there multiple times over the last couple of years and built great inroads there. Um, so that's essentially their plan for Bellator. In terms of the PFL, things are essentially going to keep on moving as business as usual. I mean, they're hoping for Ngannou and Jake Paul to make their debuts next year. They're going to do keep on doing the tournament format, which I fucking hate. Um, because I mean, look, I, I, not the tournament. I think a tournament format is fine. I hate their season format. I think the season for the PFL is what's going to tank the company long-term. Now I did a whole YouTube video. I did a whole 10 minute YouTube video on our channel, uh, where I kind of talk about why the UC should kind of be afraid of this move. Um, and that's kind of, it's all folds into one, you know, with the antitrust lawsuit, with the fact that Saudi Arabia is in, uh, you know, working alongside with the PFL. It's not just one thing or the other. It's more or less multiple things going kind of wrapped up into one. Um, but in regards to, you know, this this deal, man, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting uh, in terms of how they're going to challenge the UC. And there's still a lot of questions left to be answered. In terms of what we know, we know that they plan to do a uh, PFL versus Bellator card early next year february is is what we're hearing man um but not really confirmed obviously that would depend on how the the championship event goes which i'll be previewing in a couple of minutes so yeah but in in regards to this this sale i mean it's just it's a wait and see i mean for lack of a better term it's a wait and see it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be very, very interesting, mainly because of the fact that, like I said, Saudi Arabia is pouring a lot of money into the PFL. Now, PFL, excuse me, Saudi Arabia is working with the UFC. Uh, they are going to bring a fight night event there, I believe, in March. But that's uh, a one-off. Um, I don't think they have any as, as heavy ties to the UC as they do with the PFL. Obviously, they're, they poured $100 million into it. They said that they're going to underwrite the pay-per-view events, which is largely why 
you're hearing about, you know, we whenever Francis Ngannou first went there, we were hearing about, like, will he fight JDS? Or will he fight, like, you know, this older name or this washed guy or this guy who's not a big draw, so on and so forth, right? And now we're talking about legitimate fights like he may fight Deontay Wilder in MMA. He may do a mixed rules thing. He may fight, you know, this guy who come over from the USC. Or he could fight a Bellator. He could fight Ryan Bader. He can fight some of their older vets, right? And a large reason to that, and the large reason why now they're, we're talking about different fights for Ngannou, much bigger fights, is because of the fact that Saudi Arabia is going to underwrite their pay-per-view events. If they're taking that expense... PFL now has the ability to go out and get much bigger stars and much bigger names. It's really just up to them to actually make it happen and make the big moves and make the big fights that people want to see, right? And that's getting creative. That's making Nganu versus Wilder MMA in the PFL smart cage, you know, in the, in the fucking ass Jeeves cage or whatever, you know. Um, it's, it's doing things like that. Um, it's making fights like, for example, Aunt C- Cedric Duwambe, he just had a huge win. Go out there, put him on like a PFL. I cannot believe after he won his fight in France, and maybe it was just scheduling, maybe they couldn't get him, but I cannot believe that Cedric Duwambe won his fight in France in one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen. I mean, that was a superstar's arrival, right? And they didn't put him on that, that pay-per-view card happening this Friday. Or Saturday, excuse me. They didn't put him on, and and there's no reason not to. And that's just that's just create that's promotional malpractice. You know what I mean? Like if I were running the PFL, Cedric Duwambe has that performance, dude. I'm putting him against the worst man I could find on my roster, and I'm putting him on that pay per view prelim. Give people give some people some excitement. Keep him in the forefront of people's minds. And then hey, maybe you put Anthony Pettis on the same card. Now granted, Pettis is fighting in karate combat, so he's maybe not the best example. But like an older name, a Jeremy Stevens, a guy. I, there's there's different opportunities, right? Different fights they can do. And then hey, shit, you're building to Cedric Duwambe versus. Jeremy Stevens or Anthony Pettis with a big win. You know, they could fight on a pay-per-view. You know, they could put him in like a on a main card or whatever. So it's really just PFL executing. They have all the money in the world. They have all the advan- they have advantages that nobody has had in terms of being able to challenge the UFC in their market share. Having that belt or acquisition brings in a lot of fighters. It brings in a lot of attention. And that's kind of what they've missed. They have the money, they just don't really have the talent, and they don't have reasons for people to watch. This is going to give them both of those. So, we'll see. We'll see. You know, and, and I'm very much, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, because, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to if they can execute. It's just about if they can execute. If PFL can execute, you know, off to the, you know, sky's the limit. You know, especially given the Saudi Arabia, you know, ties between them especially given the fact that we know that um the antitrust lawsuit is going to be moving forward next year you know so on the usc's end right um so there's a lot that's going into it man there's a lot that goes into it in regards to you know moving forward and how this this whole thing is going to go it's really just a waiting to see that being said Boys, we do have some MMA this week. Obviously, no Bellator. They just had, you know, potentially their well, their their last event under Viacom leadership, right? No UFC. Like we said, they're going to be back next week in uh, Austin. Almost in Dallas. Excuse me. Never going to Dallas. Fuck Dallas. Uh, <laughs> it's just no offense if you live in Dallas, but uh, we do have a PFL card. PFL ten. PFL's twenty twenty three championship event. Going down this Saturday night from the Anthem Arena in Washington, D.C. Um, look, man, I mean, in terms of fights that I'm excited for, and we we generally don't preview the PFL on this show. Um, I think, obviously, due to the deal, we're going to have to talk about the PFL way more. Um, just by virtue of the fact that, hey, there's going to be less Bellator events next year. And also, PFL is with, without a doubt, number two now. I mean, there were questions of who's, you see, obviously, number one. But who is jockeying for the number two spot? For a long time, I've always thought it was Bellator in terms of um, the, the roster, the ability for to pay athletes, uh, the way, the, the, the multiple ways for fans to watch them. There's a lot that goes into number two being number two. Um, 
But now I think it's the PFL. On ESPN, they have that roster. And, I mean, I mean, Bellator, they're going to be a brand, but they're owned by the PFL. So, I mean, that, that, that's, you know, transitive success, bro. They got a, they got a you know, Bellator success and now the PFL success and, and vice versa. So, one championship and the, we're not going to get into one championship. Um, I don't see a point because I think that's a conversation I think maybe I want to save with uh, for whenever Angel is back next week on the show. But one championship's not doing too great either. Um, there was recently a report that came out about their ongoing uh, financial struggles without getting too deep into it. It's looking like they have maybe, unless they get more investor cash and things turn around, it looks like they have another year left in them. So, and, but and that's, that's just one, but that's just, that's just right now. I mean, look, things at MMA change daily. Um, and that's what this episode's been about. So, you know, there you go. Um, but in terms of the PFL uh, 10 World Championship card going down this Saturday night, in the main event, dude, I mean, you have one of what's going to be one of the best fights of the year simply because of Cassius Clay Collard. Cassius Clay Collard taking on Olivia Albon Mercier, the Canadian gangster, in the main event, dude. I mean, Clay Collard, we know the deal here. One of those entertaining lightweights on the planet. Anytime he steps out there, it's a war. Um, his fight with Shane Burgos is one of the greatest fights of the year. His fight with Jeremy Stevens was, I think, even made, uh, mo- at the very least, one of our lists for one of the fights of the best fights of 2022. Um, and then, obviously, on the opposite end, man. I mean, Olivia Abomosier, the Canadian gangster, the Quebec kid, right? Um, he said this may be his final fight. You know, he's and it, it kind of makes sense, man. He has been unbeaten since a loss to Armand Sarukian at UC 240 in July 2019. Since then, he is undefeated. He won the PFL uh, lightweight tournament last year, got a million bucks, you know, with a knockout win over Stevie Ray. And this year, I mean, Shane Burgos, Anthony Romero, Bruno Miranda, and that last one was a knockout win to send himself back to the finals. If he wins here, that would be two million dollars just in the last two years and for a guy like Olivier Aubon Mercier I mean that would be insane never I don't think anybody thought he would be you know a millionaire coming out of his MMA career but that's exactly what he's looking at right now man um excited to see that one that's gonna be an absolute banger the fight to watch by far but that being said this this pay-per-view card I say pay I have to remind people it is a pay-per-view shouldn't be it's fifty dollars uh for you know, I mean, there's some good fights on here, but this thing should be 50 bucks, man, especially when you're trying to compete with the UFC. I mean, how are you going to get eyes on you if you're putting your best fights under a price tag whenever people don't want to pay to watch those fights anyway? Like, nobody, I don't want to say nobody, but the PFL has struggled with their rankings on their, their world championship cards in the past, so putting it under $50 is, is pretty wild. But, you know, in terms of the rest of the card, man, there's not a whole lot of fights I really, you know, Josh Chauvera versus Impa Kasinge should be fun. Henan Ferreira taking on Dennis Gustav um, should be interesting. Two guys who are, you know, up at heavyweight, the big boys. We'll see what happens. You know, generally speaking, very excited for the return of Larissa Pacheco. I mean, Larissa Pacheco is the most entertaining woman in MMA, and she gets no credit for it. Um, Former PFL uh, women's featherweight tourney, uh, hold on, let me let me rephrase. She's one of the most entertaining women in MMA, and you know doesn't really get talked about. She's a former PFL lightweight tournament winner. She's the only woman to defeat Kayla Harrison. Uh, but even excluding her winner, Kayla Harrison, dude, I mean, she is just she's a fucking wrecking ball. I mean, she, for lack of a better term, dude. I mean, she faced Olena uh, Olena Kolesiak in the semifinals in August and won by knockout in 14 seconds. That sounds really fast, but that's essentially just the norm for her. Prior to that, he, she knocked out Amber Lee Brock in 45 seconds. You know, she beat Julia Bud by decision, Kayla Harrison by decision. She knocked out Elena again previously, two minutes. Gina Fabian, knockout, two minutes. Prior to that, knockout, one minute 25. <laughs> again, knockout Elena, uh, 448. Again, knockout, 51 seconds. I mean... Larissa Pacheco is just a fucking wrecking ball, dude. Her highlight reel is insane, uh, and she's going to be returning here against Marina Makatidova, uh, former Russian Sambo champion. Um, 11-3 in MMA. You know, she's she's suffered a couple losses before getting to the PFL. Since arriving at the PFL, she's been undefeated, save for a decision loss to Kayla Harrison 
in May 2020. Uh, 30-27 across the board there. Interested to see how this one goes. For Larissa Pacheco, dude, I mean, like I said, I'll watch basically any one of her fights, right? Just so entertaining. Uh, in terms of the rest of the card, I mean, we have the return of Kayla Harrison on this main card at a catch weight of 150 pounds. Back for the first time since she suffered a loss to Larissa Pacheco last November, she's going to take on former UFC bantamweight uh, title contender, Aspen Lad Aspen famously handed to the PFL last year. Uh, you know, two and one with a win over former Bellator champion Julia Budd. She's in the mix up at featherweight, uh, stepping in here on short notice. We'll see how this one goes. Um, excited to see the return of Kayla Harrison. I understand that people have always said, you know, oh, can crush her. Oh, she's not very good. You know, she's she's world class. I understand that she has not faced incredible competition this is probably going to be her best win if she does get past aspen lad but i mean she's 15 and one and she's her one loss she got like <laughs> to to larissa pacheco that's nothing to sneeze at especially considering the fact that she had dominated her two times previous uh, but that's not the only uh showcase fight on the card also another showcase fight ray cooper the third taking on Derek brunson up at middleweight ray cooper formerly you know a welterweight tournament winner right um, season winner and uh, going to be stepping up to middleweight for this one. Derek Brunson headed to the PFL out of nowhere. He was released from the UFC uh, earlier this year. He will now look to win a million dollars next year. But before he can do that, he does have this fight with Ray Cooper. Um, look, I mean, this PFL World Championship card, is it worth $50? No. That's it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any saving. Any saving grace. Um, I don't really have any anything uh, to really to really add beyond that. It's not worth. It's not worth that price tag. But hey, you know what? If you're sitting at home, you have nothing else to do. You're just starved for some some MMA. I would get it. I, I completely understand. So, you know, I I I'm I'm gonna watch this card. I would recommend uh, the fans do as well. Because uh, there are some good fights. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's it's not incredible. It's not it's not a stellar card or anything, but it should be a fair bit of fun. You know, in terms of news, uh, there's honestly not a whole lot for us to discuss, uh, or at least, at least for me to discuss uh, today. Um, I mean, in terms of some of the stuff that's happened this last week in MMA, I'd say the biggest thing that's happened has been more fallout from UC 295. Um, Tom Aspinall has been making a lot of headlines. Tom Aspinall came out, you know, this week and said that John Jones should be stripped of the UC heavyweight title. He was a guy that, you know, Tom Aspinall said that he really wants that fight with Jones. He really wants to fight Stipe. And he said that it's about time to let him move on and to continue his career. Um, and I, I agree with him. I mean, without getting too much into it, I'm, I'm fully on the side of Tom Aspinall. I think it's insane that there, there's not even a conversation about stripping John of, of the UFC's heavyweight title. Um, you have a great division full of young guys like Tom Aspinall who are ready and willing to go out there and put on a show. And they're just not getting the chance and the opportunity to. Um, so I hope that they go ahead and I think they should strip John Jones, you know? Um, but in terms of like news, that's literally the only thing that's the, that's the only major thing that's happened. Obviously it's things it's Thanksgiving week. I hope you guys enjoy your time. Um, yeah, I mean, not a, not a whole lot to say, man. I did, I did watch, uh, you know, there's a fun thing I meant, I meant to bring up, um, a couple of weeks ago. I forgot to, I have to bring it up because I watched it earlier this morning. James Tony and Donovan Razor Ruddick fighting under Triller Fight Club. Triller Fight Club, you know, fell off the face of the planet after Evander Holy after like a 72-year-old Evander Holyfield got knocked out by Vitor Belfort, right? They showed up the night of UC 295. I, I barely heard anything about this, right? And it was a damn near two-year, two sixty-year-olds fighting, Donovan Razor Ruddick and James Tony. I watched the highlights, man. And I'll give credit. I mean, they they gave it their all, but just, yeah, just just a ho- horrifying sight, dude. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> these dudes are almost. I mean, I think Razor Ruddick is fifty nine, and James Tony Lights Out is. Uh, I want to say fifty six, um, off the top of my head. 
right? I mean, two legends, two former heavyweight champions, and it was just that was rough to see. So I got I recently saw that was uploaded, and that went down recently as well. So I meant to go ahead and talk about that, but yeah, dude. I mean, Triller Fight Club back back with a vengeance uh, based on based on that fight. Um, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to say. Um, outside of that, I said this is going to be a shorter pod. Um, I, I did say that heading into this one. So uh, this is basically all I got for me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the YouTube video that I put out uh, earlier this week. The Bellator PFL. It's kind of talking about the impact of the sale. You know, I've, I've always talked about doing something like that. Doing something more unique, more long, uh, excuse me, more short form videos. At least compared to the podcast that that we have been doing, and that's what I plan to do moving forward, uh, at least whenever the moment calls for it, if it's something that's intriguing to me, uh, that's what I plan to do, uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, because I put a lot of effort in that thing, a lot of work into that, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast as well, again, it's just me, uh, but I hope I hope you guys enjoyed, I went ahead and uh, gave gave it my all, and again, there's not a whole lot to discuss this week, no UFC, no belt, or a, a kind of light PFL card, more or less just talking about the news, um, and staying consistent, you know, that's the biggest thing. We want to stay consistent. We want to have uploads coming weekly uh, every Friday night. Every Friday night was the goal whenever we started this podcast. We've been able to maintain it for a couple of years now. We're not stopping now, baby. So, you know, uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. Hope you guys enjoy the time off, hopefully, from work. You guys go Black Friday shopping, all that fun shit. Um, I don't. I won't. You know, MMA does not stop, so I have. I do have to work. But uh, hope you guys got to enjoy, and hope you guys enjoy this podcast in general. I'm I'm at Josh Evanoff on Twitter. Angel Angel will be back next week. He's at Angel or Take underscore O one on X slash Twitter at Courtside Sound for all things relating to the podcast on X and Twitter. And we also have uh, accounts on TikTok, Instagram, anywhere you can find us, anywhere you can think of to find us. We're more than likely there. Uh, and shout out to our sponsors one final time. Rogue Energy, Andy Elixir. Code sound off at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's code sound off at checkout for 10% off. Hope you guys enjoyed the pod this week. No, it's a shorter one, but hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.